Welcome to Podcast Marketing Secrets, the place for entrepreneurs, coaches, and CEOs who are looking to grow their brand, become a key person of influence in their industry, and get their ideal clients to come to them. I'm your host, Al Morenton. My guest today is Ashton Rodenizer. Ashton is a creative entrepreneur passionate about spreading the concept that drawing can be used as a thinking tool. She is passionate about lifting the creative spirit in everyone that she meets. She has followed her passion for helping people communicate their ideas and combine that with creativity by founding Minds Eye Creative Consulting. Over the years, she has brought over 2,500 presentations and conversations to life, either on paper or digitally. She's now on a mission to teach sketchnoting skills to students and professionals on how to use doodling and drawing as their best thinking and learning tool. When she's not working with clients, she's being silly with her three young kids and husband in rural Canada. Welcome to the show, Ashton. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. Awesome. So why don't you share a bit about your background and how you got started with Mind's Eye Creative? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so uh, the introduction started started to paint a bit of a picture, but I've actually been doing this for 10 years now. It was 10, wow. I just kind of surpassed my 10-year mark back in October of 23, which is very exciting. It's nice. like congratulations. Yes, for some reason, like the 10-year mark feels like, oh, now I know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> now maybe people will take me more seriously. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, so I actually learned about this concept of being able to draw out um, conversations as a facilitator. So I kind of happened into a bit of the facilitation world and was, you know, working with diverse groups of people helping them hear their own ideas. And as a facilitator, you ask really good questions and make sure you create a safe space for everybody in the room. And then I heard about the term graphic facilitations where you could, instead of just feeding it back in words, now you can feed back in pictures. And I kind of just took like a one day introductory course. I'd never even seen it before, but it sounded interesting to me. And yeah, that was 10 years ago now. So that really, it, honestly, kind of as cliche as it sounds, it's, you know, I kind of took that one day workshop and the rest was history. I just fell in <laughs> love with this concept. Um, and I think I always kind of secretly wanted to be an artist when I grew up. So it kind of was this beautiful blend between the creative space in me and this sort of secret artist and this sort of facilitation and how I can help other people connect to their own ideas and be able to lift up their voices and, and do it in a creative way. So it was really the, the two of those coming together that was just like a beautiful natural fit. And I'm glad that I've, you know, unfortunately, fortunately, you know, no one hires like internal graphic facilitators or visual thinkers or live illustrators or whatever you want to call us. Um, so by default, you kind of are forced to start a business if you really want to take this seriously or try to join the very, very, very few agencies that are around the world. Um, but luckily, entrepreneurship um, has really like worked well for me. I, I was more I didn't realize that I had that spirit in me until I really started to kind of do it and figure it out for myself. So, yeah, that's awesome. 
And it's amazing how just like one decision, like, I think I'll go to this workshop, you know, like how that could just change your life. Right. And just the whole trajectory. That's, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. And so were, were you an artist before that? Yeah. So I call myself a dabbler. So I uh, name an, an art medium or a type of art and I've probably tried it at least once. Sometimes I would do something for like a day or a week or years. I was really into acrylic painting for a while. I was really into needle felting for a while. I knitted all through high school. I was 10 years old, cross-stitching like a little old lady. Um, <laughs> so I've, I've, but I've never really, out of all those art mediums, like I would do it for a period of time and then I would kind of tire of it. Um, and the only kind of like formal training I have in anything is more music-based. So I... I learned, grew up playing piano, then I went to saxophone, then I went to guitar, and then I played mandolin, and then I played bass. <laughs> and now I'm learning how to play the bagpipes just for fun, because, you know. Nice. Um, so I, I'm kind of a bit of like jack of all trades, master of none when it comes to <laughs> art mediums and music and things. Um, I just like trying out lots of different things. But doing it, doing the like live illustration has been i think like the the consistency of like turning it into a business and making it like your primary thing um has kind of like stood the test of time <laughs> um and i actually really love mediums where uh like i'm a bit of an impatient person so a lot of art mediums like take a long time <laughs> you have to like like i don't want to wait for the paint to dry to be able to put on more paint. <laughs> so a lot of those mediums, they are so time consuming. And I love the, the work that I do because there is the time constraint. So if there's a speaker on a stage and they're talking for an hour, as a live illustrator, I have to be working extremely quickly, listening, thinking about what they're saying and drawing it all in real time. And my job is to, when they're done, I'm done pretty much right so i actually really love the the time constraint that um graphic recording live illustration provides um yeah so it means i can create like multiple in a day uh so it just like i think some of the things that people uh when they see it worry them about it they're like oh i could never draw that quickly but that's what i actually really love about it is the like immediacy and like when it's done it's done like you can't pick at it forever because you got to move on to the next presentation or the next conversation or what have you that's awesome yeah and i i could see that too because I, I i've worked with artists for decades and um I, I even lived in the in the artist uh, district in Los Angeles for a long oh. time, um, and commission artists uh, mm. to do work, and it could take them sometimes for a fine piece. It could take like four to six months, you know, yeah. and they're, you know, yeah. and they're going just going through all these different transitions and all this amazing things that they do. But I'm with you. I couldn't. I couldn't <laughs> wait that long. You know, I I I, I need more immediacy and and, yeah. and to have completion with things. Yeah. So, so what can you describe what uh, exactly sketch noting and live drawing is? Yeah, so all of the terms that I've sort of used so far, they all kind of mean the same thing. It's just, you know, when you're in an industry, you just kind of have all these different terms that no one understands what they are. 
but graphic recording, graphic facilitation, live illustration, sketch noting, like they're all pretty much use the same skill set. It's just a matter of what scenario you might find yourself in. Graphic facilitation is more of facilitation type settings. So there's people in a room, you're having a conversation and you're hearing all the voices, right? Whereas graphic recording or live illustration, it's more about a single voice or a panel. It's more like conference work, right? So I find myself in those situations. And then visual note-taking or sketch noting, which was popularized in like 2009 or so, um, is the concept of using the same skills, but just more for personal note-taking. So it's usually more smaller scale in a notebook or on a small piece of paper. Whereas a lot of times when I'm in person doing like a graphic recording at a conference, for example, if I'm not doing it digitally, I'm usually on gigantic pieces of paper doing it very, very large so that people can see it and engage with it and almost creates this like uh, mural, like, yeah, this sort of like living gallery and and add, that you add to over however long the event is, you know. So um, so sketch noting is like a beautiful way for people to kind of use and learn how you can put simple marks on a paper and create little drawings reflected on what you're hearing and what you're listening to and what you're learning um, and doing it in a more personalized setting. So maybe instead of me as a professional, I might be writing down like and drawing images that everybody is saying or everybody is like reflecting on, whereas sketch noting or visual note taking is more of your personal reflection. So you might add in things that mean something for you, but if you shared it with something, it might not mean as, some, as much or they might be confused by something because it was personal for you. So same skill set, but just used in like different ways and and how you're listening and thinking about the information um, might be different depending on those situations. Right on. That that makes a lot of sense. So with the um, with the live drawing kind of a thing, uh, it could be like uh, seminars or like an internal meeting or something like that. Um, so it, is it used to like increase retention or like interaction and, or, and uh, is it given to people afterwards as well? Yeah, there's lots of different like value and benefits around it. But uh, quickly, I'll just answer your question. Yes, it's always like provided after the fact as well. So there's there's sort of in the moment value and then there's the after value. So people can use whatever they, however they want to use the graphics afterwards. Like they print them off, they email them out to participants, they put them on their social, their website, or they can use it in marketing. Like they could do whatever they want with them after an event. And I really highly encourage them to share them and do things with them so that that information could kind of live on. Um, but the in the moment value is really about like in more of a facilitation setting, it might be more about the connection to the people in the room. It's around mm -hmm. allowing people to feel valued and heard, right? So when they say something, me as a graphic facilitator, I draw a picture of what they just said, and they feel like meaningfully connected to everybody else's ideas, right? So it's about creating this like cohesive voice of everybody collectively, but in people can see their own voice within the collective, right? Whereas a lot of times we go to these meetings or these types of things and like someone's just like 
taking notes on a computer and like there's a report written up afterwards like nobody reads but like you might and it might be like filled with a bunch of jargon and you might not necessarily see yourself in it whereas in the moment it's quite a it's a very hard experience to describe unless you've experienced it for yourself um mm. but it definitely has this like whole vibe in the space like i'm not there to create a quote unquote like pretty picture mind you it always ends up looking nice but it's really about the voices and the people in the room and allowing them to feel like they're a part of that conversation right so to try to like create create that like camaraderie and that clarity um and it also is like beautiful in a negative way or like a con like a a, a way where people can look at it and go, no, no, that's not what we meant, or that's not what I meant, or that's not what we said, or whatever, right? So it allows for this, like, also, like, beautiful, like, instantaneous feedback loop, or you can see your ideas where you might not necessarily recognize that everybody was heading down a certain direction unless you saw, like, for me, I'm, like, basically also the professional listener to try to, like, hold everybody's comments and ideas and then if see what's kind of coming to the top and then elevate that in a visual way so you can very clearly look at it right and I always like allow people to interact with me as much as they'd like to right so even if someone doesn't feel comfortable speaking up I give people opportunity to either come up to me or put something on sticky note and stick it on the board and then I can incorporate those ideas as well right so trying to also be able to provide different ways for people to engage in a conversation. Um, and then in like conference settings or like graphic recording settings, if it's really about less about like a collective voice more in the, for the facilitation type settings um, in the conference world, like there's just so much information, right? So I'm trying to like help bring up those like key ideas, those key, those key nuggets of information, right? Because if you can't remember it, you can't put it into action, right? And as like speakers or people on a panel, like my hope is you're there to not just like inspire someone for the day, but to give them something that they can now go and like make an improvement in their work or their life, right? But if you can't remember it or you can't engage with it, that information or it's just like a moment in time, right? It's gone, right? So this is, allows it to have this like encapsulated moments so that you can have it afterwards, but also has that engagement piece in the moment too, which is really cool. That's awesome. That's beautiful. And it seems like it would keep the, um, like the participants, you know, um, uh, more, more engaged, you know, and like off their phones yeah. scrolling and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. And, and like uh, when people say to me, oh, I didn't even look at the speaker. I looked at you the whole time. I'm like, that's good. Right. Like, a speaker's ego might get bruised a little bit, but if the speaker really cares about the person learning something, if they're hearing their words and they're looking over at me and they're seeing what I'm writing and drawing is what the speaker just said, it's like solidifying that in their mind, right? It's helping deepen that understanding and that memory for them. That's awesome. And it seems like, like to me, it seems like it would be like fun to, to, to look at the, the, the notes from, you know the, the the live drawing notes or whatever, and um, after afterwards, and you would like and say, okay, blah blah blah, and it'd be much easier than than reading, you know, because the, the picture yeah. is worth a, a thousand words, kind of a thing. Exactly. Yeah. 
And it makes it also fun because they were sort of part of it because they were there seeing it done live. So they yeah. have like a almost like an ownership of it. Yeah, there's like it has the potential to have that emotional connection to it mm -hmm. as well, which makes you feel more connected to that information. So, you know, it's really about trying to elevate what the elevate the experience. Right. Right on. Yeah. And I could see how that would help people to actually um, embrace what they uh, the information and and, you know, make it actionable in their work or their life. You know, that, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. So. um is, do you ever get like a little stressed out, like, like you know, do, doing it? <laughs> um, stressed out isn't quite the right word, but sometimes I find myself in situations, especially in like the conference circuit, where someone like a speaker talks, and usually within the first few minutes, I can tell if it's going to be difficult. If it's like, depending on how they set it up, I can usually tell if people are nervous. Uh, like their tone, their like how they're like how they how they're standing on the stage, like how like I can just tell things now because I've just been doing it for for so long. And then usually within like no one else would pick up on that stuff, but I would. Um, so like so usually I, I really pay attention those first few minutes because it's going to give me a good foreshadowing into how difficult this one might be, right? Um, and just because someone is um, like the headlining speaker doesn't mean that they're a good speaker. <laughs> right? so the people that I've actually struggled with the most are the ones who've like written all the books, right? They're like the, the leader in that industry. Those honestly are sometimes the most difficult ones to do. And I don't know if, if it's like, uh, we don't want to tell them that they're not that great of a speaker, <laughs> because they are the person, but like they could brush up on their speaking skills. Um, Cause they just have, I think it's part of it is just, they have so much wisdom and so much knowledge and they want to be able to share as much as they can. But in the end, they are actually doing the audience a huge disservice by just like being all over the place and just saying a whole bunch of stuff, <laughs> you know? So um, I, I feel at this point, I could create a whole other business just like, helping people with their messaging, how to be a good speaker, things to kind of be aware of, like what is the main thing you want people to leave with? How are you going to make sure that they understand that, you know? Um, so yeah, I wouldn't say like stressed out necessarily. It's just like, oh, if within the first five minutes I have a good sense, like, ooh, this might be a little bit more challenging than the previous one or something like that. Right on. Awesome. Awesome. So. Um... <clears throat> And then as far as like working with businesses and organizations and stuff, uh, what, what, what do you work with most? Is it, is it businesses or like nonprofits or different like youth organizations? Yeah, it's very broad. I would say currently this year, it's been a lot of businesses. Um, but I certainly have done lots of nonprofits in the past. Uh, I also work sometimes with educational institutions like universities and high schools, um, also like associations like national here in Canada or international associations like dentistry or pharmacy and like those kinds of things. Um, but yeah, I would say that the majority of my client base this year were, were businesses. Yeah, so either they were having 
an external or, or internal conference, um, training, or um, like more of that facilitation type settings where they're like working on strategic direction or things like that. That's awesome. That's beautiful. Yeah. And then like when, uh, when you're um, like marketing your business, like what, what, what are the, some of the benefits that you uh, express to people that, that they're going to have when, you know, by utilizing your service? Yeah, definitely some of the things that I've already mentioned, so I won't say those again. But the thing about this type of work is there, like I call it, I, I'm trying to like make up this term, but it's like edgy marketing. It's like educational marketing. So, you know, I have a different challenge than maybe someone who has a service or is running a business when somebody kind of like already kind of knows the value is like, oh, well, I know I need a website or, oh, I know I need a photographer for some headshots. Like, oh, I need these things. Like, you know, it's a matter of like, why choose you over somebody else maybe, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, not every conference even knows that this exists as an option, right? So I have to do like, you know, especially those first few years was like really heavy on like the educational piece, right? Trying to describe the value and why people would resonate with it. And I also have to work with people who care about the participants, which you would think would be just like a no brainer, but that's not always the case, right? If you're running a conference, like you might like, hopefully you care about the people learning something, but that's not always the case. So I have to also work with people who have a certain value around how it is that I am going to help them, right? So if I can talk about the memory retention, even like from a neurodiversity and like accessibility, but if they don't like actually care about accessibility or care about helping those with neurodiverse learnings and um, then like, that's not going to be a right fit. Right. So I have to, like, I also kind of have to like find those people too, because, you know, I learned a few years in that I have to make sure that I work with people who care about those things. Cause if not, they're going to focus on the aesthetic, right? They're like, oh, you have to draw a pretty picture, <laughs> like 10 please in a day. Right. So it's a totally different vibe than if somebody understands the learning aspect because it allows a lot more flexibility to the creative process and they're not so like picky on like how it looks, right? Because, you know, if someone wants, if, if I'm getting a sense that somebody just wants like a pretty picture, I'm probably not the right person because then what happens when you have a speaker that's all over the place and that graphic might look a little bit more messy than the pre previous graphic. Like you can't do anything about it because that's what the speaker did. <laughs> so, and like, there's only so much that you can do, especially when you have a very short time frame, right? So I think it's like this, trying to find from a marketing perspective, people who have like similar values of what's going to resonate and also that education. But I also like majority of my work is just trying to get in front of different people, right? Because it's an experience and it's an experienced good, 
People really have to experience the value of it to understand the value, right? Like, because I could tell you all day long, like what the value is, but unless you experience it, you're not going to quite understand it, unfortunately, right? And that's just kind of the nature of how it goes. Um, So if whatever I can do to, if someone hasn't seen it before, which most people have, and that's part of the experience, but if someone did reach out to me, like I would try to create some sort of experience for them. So like maybe it's like sketching our Zoom meeting, right? They said some things, I said some things, I made some little notes, and then I made maybe like a little visual of the meeting after and be like, hey, this was our meeting. These are the things you talked about. These were some of the things I said. And there's like a visual snapshot of our meeting, right? So that even though they didn't experience it to its fullness, right, they still have like, oh, it's something that was connected to them. Because I could show people like my thousands of graphics I've done but it doesn't mean as much because they're only looking at the aesthetics and not the experience. That makes sense. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So I could see how that would, you know, that, that personalization of, of something that they just went through with you and, and they see that, that they'll, that they'll focus on the whole thing instead of just the aesthetics. That makes a whole lot of sense. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. And then as far as the sketch noting where, where you do it, you know, the personal stuff, um, do you teach people how to do that? Yeah. So that's something that I really started working into more this year. So I released a book called the beginner's guide to sketch noting. And, um, I did it over a year and a half and I got beta readers to give me feedback. I had like 1500 pieces of feedback over three rounds of beta reading to kind of go through to like make it the best book that it could be. So, um, You know, because a lot of people, you know, want to have some sort of like connection to learning at first. I think like the book is a good way to do that and putting a little bit more things out on social instead of like from a messaging perspective. It's like, yeah, you could still hire me to do your conference and I'd be happy to do that. But if you have a student or if you know someone who would like to experience the benefit of being able to draw your notes, even if you don't know how to draw, because I teach you how to do that in the book. Or I talk about that all the time that you don't have to learn. You don't even know how to draw. You don't have to know how to draw to begin, right? Um, just trying to allow people to feel like they can connect to it. So it's so for me, it's just like moving into more of my messaging in my business around like, sure, I can still do this for you, and I would have good time, and we would like jam, and it'd be awesome. But um, you can learn this for yourself too, and I think it's such a non hard skill to learn. It's very easy and doesn't have to be complicated. And I think people can really be able to learn it in a way that allows them to experience all the benefits of being able to do it for themselves. Definitely. Definitely. And um, how do you, what do you, what do you feel it does for people when they learn how to do that? Yeah. Well, besides like some of the similar value and benefits around it as a professional, there's definitely some overlap, right? Like the, the memory retention is a big one can also help people like stay focused um, and kind of deepen their understanding for something. 
But one of the things that I love about it from like a learning perspective is we kind of just unfortunately learned this like form of note-taking where we hear a word, we write it down. We hear a word, we write it down. And then we just have like pages and pages of like words that we wrote down, but they don't really mean anything. And that's when, that's why people always say to me like, oh, I took a bunch of notes at the conference, but then I never looked at them again. Or I looked at them and then I was confused. And then, so I got rid of them or I put them in a file to be thrown away in like 10 years or something. So the thing that I really love about like visual note-taking and sketch noting is that it introduces the action of learning, right? So you're not just listening and writing down words. You're listening and now you're processing and you're thinking and you're looking at what else you've captured and you're trying to build connections and you're trying to like summarize things and write things down in as few words as possible while also adding in some drawing elements like a line or a box to like help elevate information like oh this one was really important let's like you know put a box around it or oh these pieces connected but they're on oops I didn't mean to do that but they're on two sides of the page opposite sides so now you can use a line to connect them right so it allows you to have that flexibility but also that like deepening and that understanding and that clarity in the moment so that when you go and look at it later, you'd be like, oh, right, I remember when they said that, then they said that. Oh, right, that was the big key takeaway. Oh, yeah, I'm definitely going to do that when I get back to the office on Monday or whatever, right? So it allows for you to be able to synthesize for yourself in the moment, right? And we like live in such this like fast-paced world that you're not necessarily going to be able to even go back to your notes later. But if you can do the learning in the moment, then that sounds like a good time to me. Yeah, for sure. And I can see how it would, you know, get ingrained in, in into your brain better by, you know, having that extra layer there, and um, and possibly even, you know, like bring out more ideas. Like, like I, oh, I was missing this middle piece in between those two lines or whatever. Yeah. You know, I could see how that would be super, super beneficial, even just for brainstorming. You know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That, that's super, super awesome. So, um, so, so how do you like market your business? Like, I, I like, how do, how do, how do you, do, do you like call people up, <laughs> send them emails? Like, like, like how, how do you, how, how do you go out and find those people that might be, um, you know, on the same wavelength and, and, and really, mm -hmm. you know, have, have that passion for helping their people as a, as a, just a putting butts in seats. Yeah, yeah. So, so nowadays, a lot of it is just like, it's not even necessarily word of mouth, but it's like, oh, they saw me at an event and then they reach out to me because referrals are not a strong part of my business because of that experience. Someone can say, oh, I have this amazing experience. They tell their friend in another company, that other friend comes to me and they're like, what do you do? I'm so confused. <laughs> Right? And I'm like, then I'm like, when you put the price tag to it, they're like, I don't even know what this is. Like, I'm, we're not going to pay for this. Right. So, um, so, you know, I don't mind a referral or two, but I never like, I can't, I can't have a sustainable business on referrals. That's for sure. Um, so you, so I'll talk about more. So like my first few years, because currently 
my, a lot of my work is just like work begets more work. You just show up and you'd be amazing and you have a really good client experience. And then that you get some testimonials and it just kind of like snowballs from there. Right. Um, but for those first few years was quite challenging, of course, like trying to like also build up a portfolio of work and client base while also trying to get clients is like quite challenging. So I actually took a cold email approach and I actually, I, I slacked off of it a bit in 2019. And then when the pandemic hit, I actually ramped it back up. But since then, I haven't done much of it. Um, I, I slowed up uh, like late last year doing this. Um, but I would just like research conferences, especially if they were in an industry that I already have a lot of experience in. And I would talk, you know, I would try to make it about them, right? I would research them, I would learn something about them that I thought was really unique. Right. So maybe there's something about their value or something they posted on social media that really resonated with me. And I would comment on it and then tell them a little bit about what I do and then invite them to have a conversation with me. Right. So I kept it very like chill, like whatever, like this is a cold pitch, but I'm not like saying your conference is going to suck if you don't hire me, <laughs> you know, just like, hey, you seem kind of cool. This is something I do. If you want to chat about it, that'd be awesome. Right. So, um, and that actually really jump started my business when I started. Um, I got my first job uh, that I had to get on an airplane for from a cold email. Um, and they actually were a bit of a unicorn because they had never seen it before. So, like, they were really, like, truly a cold email success story because. They didn't fit that bill of, oh, they've seen it before, right? So they flew me there, paid me, and they'd never seen it before. So it was quite, it, like, to this day, I still, like, hold a lot of, like, love in my heart for them because what I did from that experience was uh, there was, like, a whole bunch of conferences with the same theme, but they were all over the world. So I just went to the individual ones and reached out, right? Um, I said, hey, I did this event. Right. And then show them examples and then was able to kind of go from there. Um, and yeah, so that was like that's been that I used that strategy for a very long time. Like I said, did slack off and then I ramped it back up. Um, and it's really when I had to move everything online in 2020, um, it's kind of what like saved my butt <laughs> was reaching out to people um, in that way. And most of the time, not all the time like that one that one client I just mentioned. A lot of the time people would email me back and they'd be like, oh my gosh, I've seen this before. Let's have a conversation, right? So that that's when I know I've got like a really good potential because they already understand the value of it, even if they can't articulate it for themselves, right? So, and because it's a very odd business and people don't know what to call us, unfortunately, it's hard to Google. It's like mm -hmm. that person that draws pictures <laughs> at an event. Cause like people, I'm always like curious when people introduce me, I always like, listen, like, what do they call me? Right. So those are things that maybe people are Googling, like visual storyteller, scribe, like there's all these like weird words that people call me. Um, so yeah, I think it's really like that. That's definitely like I've used social media more for social proof. But um, I can count on kind of like one hand where when I've actually got a job 
from social media. And, and it was either like LinkedIn and Twitter really are my places um, for live illustration because that's where like my business people are hanging out. And because I do so much in technology and tech companies, um, they're hanging out on Twitter. I guess X, I should be saying X now, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't really hang out on Twitter too much anymore, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, that, you know, I have gotten a few jobs from social, but I never really treated social as like, as a conversion. Like I, I'm probably not going to get clients from this. Um, now moving into a lot of my education, that might change using social media as a way to educate people and teaching them some sketch noting skills, you know, and then being able to invite them in to getting my book or joining my community and things like that. I'm going to have a bit of a different um, uh, strategy kind of going into social media moving into next year, I think, because I think it will be a little bit different from a conversion standpoint. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And I could see how the, uh, like, even with that referral thing, I, I have a business that is, is uh, it's totally different, obviously, but it's a, but the referral thing is like, it makes me almost cringe when somebody yeah. sa says that because that they, they have to be a little bit educated first before they talk yeah. to me. And, yeah. uh, and, um, most of the time, like 99% of the time, it's, it, it turns out to be nothing. Even if they need the service that I offer, it, they, yeah. they don't become a client because they don't know anything about you know my world so so yeah, yeah I could, it, it sounds counterintuitive but i am but i understand for sure mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. awesome have you found that um uh like podcasting sort of is a good tool for like the education part or how, how have you what have you found podcasting does for your business yeah so podcasting is something that i just sort of started doing a few months ago Mm -hmm. And I've been using it as a bit of an experiment in like talking about myself <laughs> mm -hmm. and talking about why I do what I do and the value that it brings to people. And, you know, because I do find, you know, people do buy from people, not businesses. Right. So usually for my graphic recording clients, like once they meet me and they're like, oh, yeah, Ashton's like, I, I like to project this like fun easygoing, flexible, chill, we're going to have a good time, but get serious work done at the same time. Right. Um, so that's like, a, it's like a whole other thing, but me trying to be, you know, showing the world that I am now can teach you how to do this has been quite a interesting switch for me because there are similarities, but there's a lot of differences. So I've always allowed my work to speak for itself, right? Here's the graphic and I stand behind it. Someone takes a picture, I stand off to the side, right? Because it's not about me. It's about the words, right? It's about the wisdom that came from somebody else. So I really make a point of not being involved. And I love talking to people off to the side, but like, I don't want to be in a picture, right? Um, because then it makes it like it's artwork. And then when you frame something as artwork, people have a bit of a different experience with it. It's like untouchable. And I'm like, no, no, please, like manipulate it. Tell me to fix something, do something, right? So, you know, it's been this, you know, and because I've sort of hid behind the work for 10 years, I'm like, oh, maybe I do have thoughts and things to say. Maybe I do have opinions about how people learn and think and how we can use 
something like drawing to help us do those things, think and learn, right? So it's like I've been using podcasting as an experiment so far and like getting comfortable with having a voice. And, you know, at some point, maybe when someone Googles sketchnoting, I'll come up, you know, um, and I'll be ready by that point. Whereas I don't think I was ready a year ago. If someone was like, oh, Ashton, she's a sketchnoting expert. She'll teach you. I would be like, am I? Like, and it's not like imposter syndrome. It's like a different, it's like a, it's like a, def, I don't want to say deformed. It's like a, it's a different kind. It's, it's not that I don't feel like I don't know what I'm doing. It's like getting comfortable with speaking as someone who is and knows a lot about this thing and that you should listen to me, right? It's a whole, it's a whole thing in your mind about being like an authority person. And I think I've like come to recently realize, like literally just this last week, that people who are an authority in a space, they have put themselves there. Whereas I just thought at some point, Someone was like, you should write a book and they just happen to write it and then it becomes a New York Times bestseller, right? Like I, I always thought it was like put upon you by maybe your peers or somebody else was like, oh, you know what you're doing. Now you're the leader in this thing. But I think I've just like recently come to realize is that like you actually have to put yourself there. You have to do the work to put yourself in that position where you are a leader in that field or an authority in that topic or whatever. So just like getting more and more comfortable with like, what does that mean for me as a human doing this work in the world and feeling like I want to be able to be a contributing voice to it? And what does that look like from this like leadership authority kind of perspective? Yeah, for sure. And yeah, yeah, that that's a yeah, that's a big misconception too. With uh, in 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 the business world, you know, with people thinking that like a fairy comes down and anoints <laughs> you as as the leader or whatever, yeah. or, or as the the, the go to person in that in your industry or whatever. And mm -hmm. it is intentional, you know. It, it, yeah. Like people actually decide, like I'm going to be the the person, you know, in my industry that you know is sought after and blah blah. You know, like so there's. In, intentional steps that people do and you know and there, there's a whole businesses built around that but yeah. podcasting definitely can you know bring out that authority and it's it's awesome for you building out like sound bites and the, the, getting your message honed in and yeah. then the, the educational part too because so many people do research these days as opposed to like a couple decades ago you right. know you you ask like, hey, what's best for me? Oh, okay, I'll get that thing. Now mm -hmm. people they do like hours and hours of research before even talking to you a lot of times. Right. You know, so yeah. so it's good for it's good for all those things. You know, mm -hmm. it, it's so it's not it's not the marketing piece or the sales piece, but it's a bridge for all of that. Yeah. You know? so it's a facilitator. Yeah. That's yeah. that's awesome. And I really applaud you for. Um, your your business skills and you going out there you know doing the cold emailing and yeah. all of that because that's that's a, that's a, that, like the even the word cold emailing is scary i know to i know it just like makes people shudder i know and every time <laughs> i try to tell people 
they should give it a go. They're like, no, I just could never. And I'm like, it's not, it's not scary. Like the amount of email I've sent is absolutely ridiculous. And um, the amount of emails I got were that were like mean responses. Very, very, very few, very, very few, like count on one hand, maybe out of all the years that I did it that were like blatantly mean email responses back. And you're just like, whoops, make sure I never write that person again. <laughs> that person's not having a good day. Sorry. Yeah. For yeah. Sure, and for following sure. up, like I didn't mention that, but following up from the first one, if they don't respond, you know, you can give yourself a cutoff. Like, you know, some people say seven. I don't, I never really sent seven. I usually sent like three or four. If it was someone I really was like, oh, I really love to work with these people. Um, but yeah, like the following up and I've had clients who ended up hiring me and they're like, thank you for following up with me when I didn't respond to that first email. So when you start to get responses like that from clients who do hire you from those, those ways, um, it, it just encourages you to kind of put yourself out there a little bit more. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And, um, I feel it's one of the most effective ways to, to, to get business. You know, people are stuck we know the general businesses are stuck with the facebook ads and the youtube ads and stuff like that but no. but, but actually re reaching out you know if, you know especially if it's more personalized you're not just doing like you know like getting the list and you know blasting you know but, but you actually sought out and re researched the company a little bit they they they, they can see when you do that right it, it's super awesome mm -hmm. so it's a, it's, it's really, really cool. I, I, lo I love your business, you know, like, like it, it, I've, I've, I, you know, I've actually seen it done before, like, like, like yeah. many, many years ago. And it was, yeah. it was just su such a, a, a neat experience and it, and it did engage me, you, yeah. you know, like, like, and, like uh, you know, and, and, and you sort of focus on all, all this stuff and it, it is, it is are, are they really, really in what was said and all this kind of stuff. And it, yeah. and, and it just like, like um, my retention of that, event was just like off the charts compared to yeah just the regular boring where you fall asleep and the yeah <laughs> yeah and like the fact that you remember and it resonated with you all these years later and that you can connect it back like that in itself speaks to the value of it for sure i love that that's awesome awesome so um thank you for sharing you know all your insights and wisdom with uh with the sketch noting live drawing and the yeah. um also with business, you know, because that because those, those are some essential tips, and our uh, our audience is you know CEOs, entrepreneurs, and, and coaches. Mm -hmm. um, do, you have, do you have any like uh, closing thoughts or like one thing that people should take away from the interview? Well, I think maybe what I'll just say, like I'll just kind of piggyback off of of what you just said there in your little summary um, from the business, sort of some of my business thoughts is. Like the first few years, I really had a secret business because I didn't tell anybody that I was open for business. So don't be like baby Ashton. <laughs> don't have a secret business, right? You have to tell people that you're open for business. And like if cold emailing isn't for you, then that's fine. Like find something else. If it's like in person and networking things, like just get comfortable with talking about the fact that you're open for business because you cannot be successful if you do not talk about it, <laughs> you know? And I definitely really shied. Like, I don't even really, my first two years that I was sort of trying to figure things out, I just write those off. I don't even count them as like mm -hmm. years in business. Um, 
you know, I counted in my years of experience within my 10 years, but I don't really count it in my years of business because it didn't really count because I didn't really tell anyone. I was like, why aren't nobody hiring me? And I'm like, oh, because I didn't tell anybody <laughs> to hire me. I didn't ask anybody, invite anybody. Um, so yeah, and maybe I'll just say like, if what I do sounds interesting, feel free to give me a give me a shout. And if you're interested in learning, there's lots of opportunities out there to, as well. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming on the show. What, what's the yeah. best way for people to like get a hold of you or find out more about you? Yeah. Yeah. So sketchnot, sketchnote.school are all things learning how to sketchnote. My book's on there, my community, my free newsletter that I send out every Saturday. Um, so that's all things learning how to sketchnote. Um, my portfolio and ways to work with me as professional live illustrator is at mindseyecreative.ca. Awesome. Awesome. And yeah. the sketchnotes.school is that the, the S-C-H-O-O-L? C-H-C-S-S-C-H-O-O-L. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Very yeah. good. We'll make sure to uh, put all, all the links and everything in the, in the show notes below the episode for sure. Yeah. Awesome, no, I appreciate awesome. this. I had such a lovely chat with you. Thank you so much for inviting me. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, it was great having you on the show. Awesome. All right. So that concludes this episode with our guest, Ashton Rodenizer. This is Al Morentum with Podcast Marketing Secrets. I hope you have an amazing day.